0: Father, we thank you today for the opportunity to be in your house. We realize, O Lord, today our, our need of you and our need of your presence. We live in a land and we're sojourners and we're pilgrims that are passing through. This world is not our home. We desire a better country, your word says. And that country is is heaven, and God is not ashamed to be called our God because he has prepared for us a city. Jesus, you said that you would go and prepare a place for us and that where you are, we can go and be also eternally in your presence. God, help us today not to be restrained in our worship by the things in this land to which we don't belong. Help us, O Lord, to focus and set our affections upon those things which are above and seek after those things that are righteous and those things that are eternal. We praise you and we ask for your assistance and your benefit and your blessing upon us right now. Help us, O Lord, to derive from your word today instruction that will guide us, words that will encourage us. And lead us and direct us in paths of righteousness for your namesake. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Turn with me to Mark's Gospel, chapter 1. Amen. Last Sunday we left off preaching about the many things that God does through the patriarchs and how God blessed them. People like Abraham, the friend of God, and then Moses, uh, the emancipator, the freedom giver, the law giver, as it were, the great pastor of God's people, had two sons. Do you remember the two sons' names that we learned last week? Think about it. Hey, man, we had a little test last week to see if we knew who those sons' names were. Got it? No, you didn't write it down, huh? First one's Gershon, remember? The second one is Eliezer. What does Gershon mean? Sojourner, amen. I'm going to have to start passing out some cheat sheets for you. Amen. So you get some of this stuff. I want it to stick with you. I don't want you to forget some of this stuff. That's why I preach some of the stuff over and over again. And so I quote those same scriptures so that you'll get to where you are accustomed to hearing those, and you'll build you a library of scriptures that are in your heart that when I say blood, you'll say Romans 5 and 8. Love, you'll, you've got the scriptures for those things. And that, that's, a, that's a good thing because you become learned in the things that strengthen and help you in times of difficulty when no one is around you encourage yourself in the Lord. And you remember if this scripture right here that I put in my, my memory banks and that I've heard pastors talk about it so many times and I've got that scripture in my heart and in my mind, that becomes a, a, a anchor for you in difficult times. The Bible talked about not only Moses, but it went on to talk about Joseph and it talked uh, also down until it brought us to, to our, our, our Redeemer, our Savior, our Savior. Aren't you glad we have a Savior? Micah 5 and 5 said, A man shall be for your peace. A man shall be for your peace. That's a juridical term. It has to do with the, all of the requirements of righteousness are met in the person of Jesus. I have no personal righteousness. All of my righteousness is thr- stuff that needs to be thrown away. All of my righteousness, the Bible said, is as filthy rags. All of my efforts at righteousness are futile. There is one who is righteous. Jesus himself said there is one that is good, and that is the Father in heaven. And the Bible teaches us that righteousness is a requirement of God. And we're even called the righteousness of God. And the Bible said Jesus came to perfect a way for us That we might become the righteousness of God in Him. So, all that we have in God is in the person of the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus is the embodiment and the fullness of God and the vision of the invisible God. He is. Jesus said, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you have seen God. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? that Jesus is personified as God for us. There is example in the life of Jesus that we should all walk in His steps. We're instructed in Scripture to walk like He walked. And so many times we want the platform before we get on the step. I said so many times we want the stage before we take the step. The step... Is to be taken the Bible said the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord not the stage but the steps the steps will lead you to the stage but you can't get to the stage and be lifted up until you be a, a first a person who takes the step in Mark we read some interesting scripture about the person of the Lord Jesus the Bible first talks about John uh, the Baptist who was the cousin of of the Lord Jesus, who was introduced to us in, in the other Gospels, and they are called the Synoptic Gospels. John is not one of the Synoptics because it differs in its content so. And the Bible said that John preached, verse 7, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Now, that's some background for us about the great... when The the Bible said Jesus said there is none greater than John the Baptist. There's never been a man born of woman greater than John the Baptist. What a statement to make about someone. Never anybody born of woman greater than the person of John the Baptist. The Bible calls him the forerunner of the Lord Jesus. They first met on one of the Galilean hills when uh, the Bible tells us that Mary went to visit with Elizabeth. And and the Bible tells us that when there was an encounter between the unborn, the unborns, the Bible said, and the Holy Ghost. failed elizabeth amen and the bible said that the holy ghost touched the unborn child as yet now some of you need the holy ghost at all times but sometimes in that place of shaping and in that place of birthing you need the holy ghost in places like that have you ever been in a place of shaping and and birthing and, and things taking shape and things forming and, and, and gaining their, their place in your life and, and you were just learning about some of those things and, and God just poured the Holy Spirit out in a situation like that. Hey, every time it seemed like John the Baptist and Jesus got, got together, their first meeting the Holy Spirit came down. In their second meeting the Holy Ghost came down. It happened on a a riverside called Jordan. And the Bible said, and it came to pass. So many scriptures start out that way, don't they? And it came to pass, verse 9, in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized of John in the Jordan. Hmm. It came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth Of Galilee and he was baptized of John in the Jordan. Jesus at this time hasn't been on the scene in 18 years. Last time we saw Jesus was when he was 12 years old and he was in the temple and he was debating the law and discussing the law and talking about the covenant and talking about the Hebraic customs and or the the Midrash and all that pertains to the law, and his mother and father missed him. How in the world do you miss Jesus? Well, one way you miss him is you get ahead of him. His parents left him and went on home. (laughs) I I would say he he felt abandoned. You'll miss him if he leaves and you don't leave when he leaves, or he stays and you leave. What that means is you need to get in step with Jesus. If you don't want to miss him, you need to get in step with him. Amen. When he gets up to leave, grab your coat and say, I'm going too. When Jesus says it's time to go to church, then get up and get your frock and get yourself to church. Get in step with whatever Jesus is doing. When last we saw him at 12 years old, he was in the temple doing ministry and and talking about righteous things. And mom and pop had already made it almost back to Nazareth. And suddenly they missed him. You've missed him for, what do you say Galilee is? What would you say Nazareth is from Jerusalem down? What, 35, 40 miles, something like that? About that. Walking you would take you a long time, right? So they had walked a long time before they ever missed him. Could it be that sometimes you walk a long time without ever missing it? Could it be that sometimes you really don't know where he is? You can surmise and think you know where he is, where you got some opinions about where he should be probably, but you don't know for sure if he's really there. These parents walked off and left him and went on home and left him a 12-year-old. And when they missed him on the way, they began to inquire, has anybody seen Jesus? What a sermon to preach at Harvest this Sunday morning. Has anybody seen Jesus? And then turn over and preach to the other side about how did you lose him? How did you let him get lost? How did you just walk off from a 12-year-old and go on home about your business and on the way home he said oh yeah Jesus hey I've all heard heard those stories over the years especially among preachers you know we were raised up in church all the time had four services a week when I was a kid coming up all we can do to get you here for one now but buddy we used to have four at least four and revival or two every spring and another one or two in the fall, and Christmas plays and all the stuff we did. Well, we just lived at church just about, and about every preacher's kid I know has been left at church before. Have you ever been left? Don got left. You know that little shelf on the back seat of cars? Boy, it's perfect for a kid to just curl up up there, and everybody else forgets you're there, and you go to sleep. Hey, this one right here, when we had those old wooden pews, uh, and they used to throw the quilts out between the, the pews there and lay the kids down when they'd go to sleep. I've been forgot and left, and the church doors locked up, and the lights turned out. How would you like to wake up to that? And Randy, thank God, somebody finally woke up and said, Where's Jerry? Or another sermon could be I'm the one who was forgot I'm the one that got lost they lost Jesus my Lord we're out of business folks if we lose Jesus we not we need to keep up with Jesus amen because it might be that we need to follow him and if he's going off and left us or we've gone off and left him we got real problems it came to pass that Jesus came down. In other words, Jesus had been amidst the crowd. Jesus was one of the crowd. For 18 years, he'd just been an ordinary person walking around like everybody else. And I guess it would go to that scripture in Galatians 4, 4, and when the fullness of time was come or when God's time came. It's hard to be faithful in those 18 years of silence. It's hard to hold on to God those 18 years of nothing happening. It's hard to keep on being consistent and keep on being faithful and maintaining your integrity when 18 years nothing in your life has happened of any uh, significance and you're just kind of one of the crowd and you know that God's got a purpose for you and God's got a plan for you and suddenly one day you realize hey it's time for me to do what God wants me to do it's time for me to be the person God wants me to be it's time for me to use the talents and the abilities and the gifts that God put in my life and be the purposeful person that God intended for me to be. Every one of us in this house ought to be praying that prayer. And have our antenna up for when God gets ready for that time to come that you're at least in the building. And don't have to be hunted down for somebody to tell you, hey, do you know you're used of God? What? Yeah, God's got this for you to do and that for you to do. Hey, don't wait for some guru to come around hunting you to tell you about the will of God for you God said my plans for you are good plans if God's got good plans for you what are you doing looking somewhere else if things are good in the pond where you're fishing what are you hooking for another one for If God is blessing you where you are, come on, somebody. Amen. Don't wait on some super-duper whooper-whopper to come by and say, let me look inside you here and see what I can see inside you. Hey, go to this book of God. This book of God will tell you everything you need to know about God. God's will and God's purpose and God's plan does not rest upon the whimsical opinions of people about you you can know the will of God for you and the Bible said that it came to pass that Jesus came down for to be baptized in Jordan by John now that's a very specific spot that's a wonderful spot that also is the spot where Joshua led the children of Israel across Jordan River into the promised land. Didn't know that till we went over there. And a guide told us that. We didn't learn that one in seminary class. We learned that from a guide. He said, this is the same place where the waters were parted hither and thither, and Joshua led the people of God across this Jordan. And now Jesus goes back to this same place and is baptized by John in that same spot in the Jordan. Hey, have you got a spot? I said, have you got a spot where God moves? Have you got a spot that you've got covered by the blood? Have you got a spot where the Holy Ghost is poured out? Is there a spot that God just keeps on blessing and keeps on using and you know where that spot is and bless God you'd say if I could just get to my spot some people call it a prayer closet some people call it my place of prayer hey you ought to have one if you hadn't got one I said you ought to have one if you hadn't got one you ought to have a spot hey get you some oil and Go in there and anoint it with oil and call it the anointed spot. Give it a name. Woo! Call it the place where the glory comes down. Call it the place where God answers prayer. Call it the place where God moves in my life. Call it the place where problems get solved. Call it the place where there's healing from a body. Call it the place where I cover my children with the protecting power of God. Have you got a spot? Is there a spot you know of that God can uses to bless you glory to god hallelujah brother if i can just find my spot i can look the devil in the eye and say you can't have this spot i'll fight you over this spot this is my spot where me and god communicate this is where we fellowship this is where we celebrate this is where i worship i said this is where i worship Did you bring your spot with you today to church to worship? Have you got that in your heart, that place in your heart? Is there a spot in your heart where you go to and talk to God, where you put your elbows on his knees and look right into his face and you feel the glory and the power and the presence of God come down? Hallelujah. That that place where you know God like you don't know him anywhere else. Hallelujah. Hallelujah hallelujah he said that spot had been blessed by god before it not only is the place where the children of israel came into the promised land it's also the place where elijah that as he was on his way he went by the bible said he'd been over at the cave at horeb and walked out on the front and the holy ghost showed him things and there was a great fire, but God wasn't in it. There's a great earthquake, but God wasn't in it. And a great wind, but God wasn't in it. And then there was a still, small voice. And the Bible said, and God was in it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Don't you like to find, find something when God is in it? I, 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 that, that's a strange phrase. Was God in it? In it? There was a still, fall, small voice, and God was in it. Glory to God. I, those old timers they used to say, brother, when God got in it. When God got in it, I, I had a woman come up one day and I, I I used to be pretty bad about shaking my leg and shouting around. And had a woman come around after I'd preached one Sunday morning. She said, Was God in that? Was God in that? I said, well, I don't know, but if I do it long enough, he'll get in it. If I just keep on doing it, he'll, he'll get in it in a minute. He may, he may not have been in it when I started it, but thank God if I keep doing it, he'll get in it. Praise God. Hallelujah. I want to tell you right now, the God that we serve, is a God that loves to come down. He loves to pour out His Spirit. He loves to do powerful, miraculous things in our life. Oh, yes, He does. And the Bible said that Jesus came down for to be baptized. Mm, God won't let me leave that other. The Bible said after He heard that still, small voice that from that time forward, he depended upon the mantle. The mantle. Well, that's just an old cloak. He, oh, that was the spot. It was the spot where everything happened. My Lord, he, he's marching along on his way probably to Bethel. I believe that's, the Bible said that's where he went up, at Bethel. That means Bet-El. You remember what Bet means, don't you? House of, what does El mean? God. So Beth-El means house of God. So he was on his way to the house of God. And the Bible said that he passed by where Elisha was plowing. And he was plowing in a field and they had 12 yokes. Of oxen and he with the 12th. And the Bible said, and Elijah took the mantle off and thrust the mantle on Elisha. Glory to God. And the Bible said, and Elisha said, 'I'm, I'm supposed to go with you. I've been laboring here in obscurity. I've been one in the crowd. I, I've been ordinary. I've been just another, another person on the street. But I, I've got a call of God on my life, and I'm supposed to go with you. And Elijah said, What have I to do with thee? He said, I'm supposed to go with you. You don't understand this. I'm supposed to go with you. That, that mantle of the Holy Spirit that you touched me with, that, that made a difference in my life. I've got to be what God wants me to be. Hey, I tell you what, let me go tell my mama and my daddy goodbye, and I'll be back in just a minute, and we'll go. I'll go with you. I'll, I, I'm going to be your partner. Elijah said, "Well, go on and do whatever you want want to do." And the Bible said that he made an offering unto God. He took that plow and used that plow handles and made a fire, and slew the bullock, and he took what he was so attached to in his past, and destroyed everything that he had. Depended upon in his past because he never wanted to be tempted again to go back to it. So, all the ties with mom and dad and work and, and the oxen and the plow and the field, he wanted to break with all of that because if he is going to go with God, there wasn't ever going to be any turning back. Glory to God. No turning back. Anybody in here feel like no turning back? Are there any no turning back folks in this house today? Are there any no turning back folks sitting in these chairs? No turning back. And the Bible said when he, when he got through with his worship and got through with his sacrifice, he went after Elijah. And he said, there's one thing I want." He said, I want to have a double portion of that Holy Ghost that you've got. Glory to God. Did I tell you that's in the same spot where Jesus is getting baptized? It's in the same spot where Joshua crossed over and put the 12 stones in the the middle of the river and the water pottered parted thither and thither for Joshua. And Elijah comes now back to the spot. And when he gets to the spot, Elijah takes his his mantle off and he, and he smites the water and the same water that opened up for Joshua opened up for Elijah. And the Bible said the water parted hither and thither, glory to God, and they crossed on dry ground and the Bible said when they got on the other side Elijah said to Elisha wait just a little bit right here I'm going to go out a little bit further and Elisha said God forbid that you would leave me said I will not leave you you said that if I was with you when you go up that I would get my prayer answered and I'm not going to turn loose of you, and you're not getting out of my sight. I'm going where you go. And the Bible said that that, the the, the chariot, the chariot, now that's actually them angels, you know. The chariot. Behold, the chariot and the horsemen thereof. And the Bible said, and there was a whirlwind, and Elijah was caught up and was carried up into the presence of God where he is right now. Now if anybody ever gets you in Bible trivia and asks you if there's a man in heaven that has never died, you better be smart enough, Steve, to say Elijah. But there's another one. His name's Enoch. And the Bible said he was not for God took him because he walked with god he stayed in step with god he said to god god i'm not going to leave your presence (laughs) i'm going to be wherever you are I'm, i'm walking with you he walked with god and the bible said and elisha walked with elijah hallelujah something about that walking and that holy ghost coming down and the glory to god And Elijah going up, and the Bible said, the mantle then fell upon Elisha. So evidently, there's a lot of Holy Ghost falling, taking place here in this river. So it wasn't just coincidence, and it wasn't just happenstance that Jesus showed up on the bank that day, praise God, and he stepped out into the water and he walked out to John and John said to him, no, 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 I have need to be baptized of thee because this folks is the Son of God and he is on a mission to take away the sins of the whole world. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Son of the living God who has come to take away the sins of the world. Wow. And the Bible said that He immersed Him and buried Him neath the waters of baptism. You know, a lot of people want to go up before they go down. But you've got to go down before you can come up, wow. a lot of folks want to skip that going down part, that humbling of yourself, that sacrificing of yourself, becoming dead. It's as if there is a grave there, and you are being buried in a in a grave of baptism. It means that you've died out to your own selfish will. It means you've died out to your own ambitions and your own aspirations and those kind of things. Those things have become owned by God. What what you're saying by by being buried in baptism is that you've died out to the things of the world, the pride of of the eye, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. You've died out to all of those things And you become a servant. A servant. A servant. So many people want to skip that servant part and want to be ruler and in charge and that kind of thing before you become a servant. When they described Elisha, they called him that one that poured water on the hands of Elijah before he could do the things Elisha did, he had to first learn the discipline of servanthood. You see, so many want spirit anointing and spirit in filling before they ever have the flesh crucified so that the Holy Spirit can live in a clean, pure, holy temple. Glory to God. We call that sanctification. Brother, and that's what baptism by immersion, it puts you in the grave. And then the Bible said, and straightway, straightway, coming up out of the water, the Holy Spirit descended upon him in the bodily shape of a dove. Glory to God. Isn't that great? Straightway coming up out of the water. He saw the, whoo, how did I leave that out? Saw the heavens open. What in the world can we do, Pastor, to get open heavens? One thing you can do is what Malachi 3.10 says. God said, I will open you up the window of heaven. And I'll do what? Pour out. Did you say pour it out? Didn't say he would dabble it or sprinkle it. Said he'd pour it out. He would pour out blessings upon you that there shall not be room enough to receive. Isn't that great? Boy, that's one way to open up heaven. I want to live under open heavens, don't you? I want to live under open windows. I I want to preach under open heavens. I want to serve the Lord under open heavens. I want to sing gospel songs, spiritual songs under open heaven. I want to pray prayers under open heavens. Because when God opens up the heavens, Something good always comes down. The Bible said, and the heavens opened. And when the heavens opened, the spirit descended in the bodily shape of a dove. And it lit upon him. And then we heard a voice. We hear a voice. See, if I can find my deepest base. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye Him. That's as deep as I can get. Can you imagine standing in the crowd while all this is going on? And the Holy Spirit has come down in the bodily shape of a dove, and you hear the voice from heaven. we got the voice from heaven. We got the dove and we got Jesus in the water. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My professor used to say, What's going on here? Hey, what's going on here is the whole Godhead. Hallelujah. Is involved in this baptismal effort right here that's happening in Jordan River, this spot. Where things come down and things go up. Hallelujah. Elijah went up and the mantle came down. The praises go up and the glory comes down. Glory to God. When the heavens opened, the Holy Spirit came down. Hallelujah. And what is that next verse? It says something about and the spirit drave him I didn't know there was a word like drave it's got to be old English drave him we would say drove and immediately the spirit driveth. thank you NIV driveth him into the wilderness what what my Lord we're on the mountaintop we got the Holy Ghost come down here and anointed Jesus We've got this public endorsement of Jesus as Savior and as Lord and the gift of God and the answer to the questions in prophetic utterance all about who is this Messiah, who is this Christ, and all this going on. And then the Holy Ghost said, let's go to the wilderness. Why did he... Lead Jesus into the wilderness for to be tempted of the devil. Wow, you ever gone from the mountain top and some news come in that sent you straight to the wilderness? Could I tell you? that God is the God of the wilderness. Could I tell you that if you'll go over to God's courthouse and check the records, you'll find out that God owns the wilderness. The wilderness is a dry place. The wilderness is a hot place in the daytime. It's a freezing place at night. There's very little water. It's it's such a dry place. There's little water and nothing grows there. It's not a place where you'll see flowers to encourage you and and make you smile. It's not a place where anything good or anything gentle happens. And so many times when we go into a, a wilderness, we think that it's because God is punishing us. So many times when we go through a wilderness experience, we think, "Well, maybe we did something bad or we did something wrong, and it's finally caught up with us." And God has got His paddle out and He's paddling us. He's sent us into this wilderness. But oftentimes, most time, all the time, God sends us into a wilderness to teach us. And to condition us. And to shape us. And to form us. And to build us. And mature us. And reveal to us the things that you can't get anywhere else. God loves you enough that He he will invest the time. You know, so many people think the devil's got this this nuclear plant somewhere to just zap you and blow you away. He only has three tricks. Only got three tricks. Lust of the eyes, pride of life, and lust of the flesh. He's got three tricks in his trick bag. He came to Jesus and he said to Jesus, Going to appeal to... Now listen, the devil will never tempt you about things you like. Now I came from the old-fashioned school and this modern-day fasting is kind of foreign to me. Now people fast Cokes. I'm going to fast uh, Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. I I believe I'll just fast uh, uh, watching TV for 30 minutes a day. I think you get that without any more embellishment of that. Brother, when Where I came up fasting was long time bread and water, sometimes just water. Ain't that the way you come up, Steve? That's the way it was when when you fasted, brother. Hey, when you would fast, brother, your clothes would hang on you. You looked like a skeleton. Your eyes would get swathy. Brother, when you was fasting, you looked like it. And it not look you wasn't looking like you'd done without thirty minutes of Mayberry. Fasting. The devil will never tempt you with something you like. Praise God. He came to Jesus and he said, command these stones to be made bread. You, you're bound to be hungry. You're bound to be wanting to eat something. I'm, I'm sure by now you're really, really hungry. Why don't you just command these stones to be made bread? And you'll have something to eat. How do you tell the one who is the bread that you need Bread. He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And the Bible said he he then took him to a high place, which actually was Nebo, where you could see for many, many miles all around. And he said, I'll give you all of this. All of this you can have. I'll give it to you if you'll just worship me. How do you tell the one who made it all that you need some of it? It is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. And I love, come on, Olivia, I love the way he came out of the wilderness. Brother, if I had been 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness with nothing to eat, Instead of a 42, this would be a 35. (laughs) Suit size, you'll get it in a minute. Probably. Probably lose about 50 pounds in 40 days without anything to eat. I would probably need you to take me by the emergency room and get an IV going. But the Bible said when Jesus... Came out of the wilderness. The Bible said, and he returned in the power of the Spirit. He returned in the power of the Spirit. Glory to God. My goodness, you're talking about dragging in. Brother, I, I bear—I might have crawled down the aisle after 30. The Bible said he returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. And do you know where he went? You know where he went? The Bible said, and he went into the synagogue. My Lord, after 40 days and 40 nights of nothing to eat, I'd have been hunting hardies or... Burger King or somewhere, I sure wouldn't have been thinking about church. But the Bible said he went to church before he went to get anything to eat. Yeah. Brother, there is something about being in his presence and the solitude of just you and God that you can reach a place where where the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Just lift your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face and the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Stand with me, please, all over this house. To be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. I forgot that part about the angels, didn't I, Don? I'll have to do that at another time. The Bible said while he was in the wilderness doing without food and fasting that the angels ministered unto him. Angels ministered unto him. I'm so glad that God has angels. The Bible said he hath given them charge concerning you. I believe that every one of you in this house today have an angel assigned to you. you. You think spirit beings can be assigned then, Pastor? The Bible said that Paul, he said, Lest I become exalted above measure, there was given unto me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan who was sent to buffet me. Are you listening to Pastor? Don't you think if the devil can dispatch devils and give them an assignment concerning individuals, so can our Heavenly Father dispatch and assign an angel Have you ever read where Peter was in jail in the innermost part of the jail and was asleep? And the Bible said, and an angel came and woke him up and said, put your sandals on. And the Bible said the angel led him out of the prison as prison doors started opening, as they to be about to set their foot down, suddenly the Spirit of God would roll back the door and let them out of the prison. An angel did that. The same Elisha had a servant whose name was Gehazi. And Gehazi got up one morning and looked out and saw the whole horizon full of chariots and horses and he ran back in, and said, "Oh, man of God, we are out of control out here, brother. There's armies all over the horizon. We're surrounded." And Elijah said, "Lord, open his eyes and let him see." Boy, I sometimes want to say to people, "God, open her eyes." God opened his eyes. Because, brother, if you can see with spirit eyes, you'll change your attitude and change your opinion. And the Bible said that the scales fell off of his gaze's eyes and he saw the chariots of the Lord and he saw the angels of the Lord surrounding that place. That same God that ministered to Jesus with angels that came to Him in His wilderness, in your wilderness. You're, you're either here in a wilderness, about to go into one, or just came out of one. That's your status today. But I want to tell you that He's the God who owns the wilderness. He's the God who controls the everything about the wilderness and if god is in it when you come out of the wilderness you'll come out in the power of the holy spirit power of the holy spirit joel is god sufficient when you're in the wilderness yes he is anybody else been through a wilderness Have you been through a wilderness? Karen, you're going through a wilderness. He's God in the wilderness. He can be found in the wilderness. I said he can be found in the wilderness. Michael, Sandra, y'all's family is going through a wilderness. God can be found in the wilderness. God is not slack concerning his promises. And one of his promises is, I'll never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will go with you all of the way. All of the way. I will get you to the finish line. I will not give up on you. I'll not walk away from you. I'll not abandon you. But I will stay by your side till we get to the finish line. Do you have that kind of Jesus in your heart today? Do you have that kind of Lord in your life today? I want to give you an opportunity to say yes to that question. Yes, I've got the Lord Jesus. You know, salvation is not a showy thing. It's not something that has to be high intensity. It can happen in in the solemnity of your heart when you just simply say to Jesus, Come into my heart. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come in today. Come in to stay. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Would that be your wish today? If it is, I want to tell you, there's a Jesus that's waiting with open arms to say to you, I will save you. I will give you a home in heaven. You can live with me eternally, and I will be the Lord of your life. There's a Jesus that's worth serving today. Amen. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed. Is there one of you that would say, Pastor, I want that kind of energy that you talk about in my wilderness. Yes, I've been through some wildernesses, and I need God to help me. I know the loneliness that you feel in the wilderness. I know the pain, the suffering. I know the emotional trauma that you go through in the wilderness. And I want the Lord Jesus to stand by my side and be the Lord of my life. Whether I'm in a wilderness or wherever I am, I want Jesus to be Lord. I want Jesus to be Lord. If you're here and that's your desire, all I want you to do is just walk up here and let me pray with you. And share a scripture or two with you and pray with you. And you can leave here a new creature in Christ Jesus. A new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things passed away. All things new. Is there one? Is there one in this house that would say, Yes, Pastor, I I want to do that this morning. I've lived long enough without Him. I I want Him in my life. I've waited long enough. Now's the time. I want to make the move. It's up to you. It's up to you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Then join hands with that person beside you. Let's pray a prayer together. Dear Lord Jesus, You are the Lord of my life. And I love you. And I praise you for the many times you've come to my aid. Thank you for giving your life, shedding your blood, and dying for me. Thank you that you have given me a future worth living and a home in heaven. And I ask you now to guide my steps and help my infirmities and give me strength and encouragement to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now give God some praise. Boy, that sounds good. Glory to God. Glory to our great God. Glory, adios. Dios Gloria a Dios. El Señor, Gloria. Praise your name, my heavenly Father. And now, Lord, we've preached your word. We've sung these spiritual songs. We've prayed prayers for people that are afflicted and infirm. And I'm believing right now, oh God, that we're going to leave this place energized with the strength of the Holy Ghost. We're going to leave this place, O oh Lord, anticipating great things as we share our testimony with those who don't know you. Give us a great day today with our family and our friends and bless our homes and bless our children and bless all of those, O oh Lord, that are dear to our heart. We dismiss in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. God bless you and God go with you as our prayer. We love you.